Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We are in the midst of a new series that we started today um, and we're doing something a little bit different. Normally we would do our series structured, uh, for instance, like on 10am during the Sunday morning and just do something different at night. But we thought, hey, what would be awesome is that if we actually did a series that was 10am and 6pm put together, so which is pretty cool. So we're actually hearing part two tonight, which I'm really looking forward to. But as a leadership team at Victory, what we really felt for this season was really to put prayer on the agenda again. Um, prayer on the agenda again. And, uh, I, and so we came up with this title of what to say when you pray, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I have no idea how to pray. I have absolutely no idea. I mean, like, for those who don't know, I've uh, always grown up in church. Uh, my parents uh, uh, raised me in a Christian household, and so I'm so thankful and grateful for what they did for me. But here's the thing. When you grow up in church, you are surrounded by a lot of people who pray really big prayers, right? And for those who know me, my vocabulary is not that great. Like, I am limited to a few describing words, right? And so as I was growing up in church circles and I would hear these prayers sometimes where people would literally have about 15 adjectives in one sentence. And I was like, I am never going to be able to pray like that. I'm like, how in the world am I ever going to be able to pray like that? And I don't know what to, and it's not that I didn't want to pray, it's that I just didn't know how to pray. I didn't have the words. I didn't, wasn't equipped with how I should pray and how I should really communicate with God and, and have an effective prayer life. And so for me, I'd had this image and this idea and this intimidation that I needed to say all these things and reinvent the wheel every single time I prayed. But in reality, all I needed to do was look at God's Word and, and follow the guide map and, the, and the, the, really the, the tools that He's given us in that to be able to pray an effective prayer life. And so this series is literally all about how we can equip ourselves to pray more effectively, how we can equip ourselves to pray more passionately and more powerfully in our day-to-day life. And so I don't know if you guys know this, but in James 5 verse 16, it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. See, God actually wants you to have an effective prayer life. God actually wants you to have a a live and effective prayer life. And He wants you to be able to pray every day and see those prayers come true and intercede. And the thing is, I think that when it comes to this stuff, like we said, we just don't know how to do that a lot of the time. And so we get so caught up in the how-to. And what I want to do tonight is really just look at one of the prayers in the Bible that you probably all know and all know quite well. And uh, that prayer is actually called the Lord's Prayer. Now, a bunch of you guys are probably rolling your eyes and going, man, we hear this. At, we heard this at school way back when. We can all say it, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. You know, and we can all like recite it really quickly. But here's the thing is that when, that, when Jesus said that, that was never meant to be recited like that, rather that it was meant to be a guideline that we lived out in our day-to-day life. And so this evening, what we're going to do is that we're just going to unpack the Lord's prayer a little bit and see what Jesus was talking about when He said these words. Now, before we do that, we need to know something else is that more proof that this is the guideline is that in Luke, I mean, the Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew 
Uh, for those who don't know, Matthew uh, 6, verse 9 to 13. Uh, and so if you want to go look it up, go to there. It should be on the screen as well, uh, right there, which is awesome. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Uh, forgive our debts as we also forgive those, our debtors. Uh, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so this is in Matthew, but it's actually also in Luke. Uh, It's a little bit of a different version, but it is in Luke. And the thing that's in Luke that is not in Matthew is that the disciples come up to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They come up to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, we want to know how to pray like you. We want to know how to have an effective and alive prayer life like you do. And so can you teach us how to do that? And so this prayer is not something to be repeated and recited, but rather it's a guideline to have an alive and effective prayer life like Jesus did so that we can see God move in our life and through our life on a regular basis, yeah? And so the disciples go up to him and they're like, hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And he responds with that. And I think that sometimes because we've all grown up with, a lot of us have grown up with it in schools and they make us say it and, and we repeat it all the time, it loses the, the powerful message and the powerful guidelines behind it. And so tonight we're just going to unpack that. And if you are wanting to have a more effective and a more alive and a more passionate and a more powerful prayer life, I'm going to pull out four things tonight from the Lord's Prayer that are going to help you. And the first thing is this, the first thing is Adoration. Adoration. Adoration, come on, say it with me, ready? Adoration, so good. I learned that that's not double D, it's only one D. I told you I wasn't very good at English, so luckily it's felt right on the screen. So adoration, and adoration simply put is a, is a deep love and respect for someone. And the first thing that we see when we read the Lord's Prayer is that it's a prayer of adoration. It's a prayer of deep love and deep respect for God. And I think that for me, it really stands out to me because so often I know that I can go to God when I have problems. I can go to God when I'm just like, hey God, I need you to sort this out. Come on, like, I need you to come in and save my butt. That would be awesome. That'd be so good. I love you so much. Thank you. Thanks God. I know know you're going to do that. But rather, this prayer starts out with our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It starts with an adoration, a deep love and a deep respect of what's going on and what's happening. Imagine if I have an, a, an absolutely amazing wife in my uh, Shari, my co-leader, co-pastor, you know, just awesome. She's incredible. I try to avoid using lovely wife because the youth ministry know this all the time. I just refer to Shari as my lovely wife all the time. And so this is kind of her nickname, but she is an incredible, incredible young lady. But imagine if I never once had a moment where I shared my adoration for her, but rather just asked her for things all the time. Let's be real. I would not be married for very long. Like, I would be in deep trouble if all I did was ask her for things all the time and never took a moment to stop and actually build a relationship with her that was not founded on needs, but rather founded on a deep love and respect for one another, yeah? And so how is it any different to God? Why is it any different to God? Why is it any different when we get before God? Why do we think that we can just go up to God and go, God, we need this? When we know that the gospel is centered around relationship, which means that we need to get before God and go, hey God, we adore you. Thank you for loving me so well. I'm so in love with you, Lord God. I thank you for everything that you've done and actually have an adoration moment because an effective prayer life starts with a relationship with God. An effective prayer life starts with a relationship with God. But it doesn't just stay at a relationship with God. 
You see, it moves on from a relationship to worship. Yeah, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed literally means to glory and honour be. And so we start with, hey, our Father in heaven, relationship, and then we go, hallowed be your name. Another form of adoration going, God, you are glorious. You are full, you are so worthy of honour and praise and everything is yours and everything is yours and you deserve it so much more, more than I could ever give. And so we start in relationship, but then we move to a moment of worship. And like for those who were here this morning, we had an incredible moment of worship where there was just this moment where we were just singing, holy, holy, holy. And I'll tell you what, we need more of that in our prayer life where we're just singing, holy, holy, holy are you God. Without wanting anything in return, we got to start in this place. If we want an effective and powerful prayer life, we have to start in this place of relationship with God, but then a worship of God as well. You need to have an adoration in your prayer life if you want to be effective. I find that, uh, like I said before, so often we just go to God when we need something. I mean, like, let's be real. Who hasn't prayed the prayer when you're about to go into an exam or something, you know, and you're like, Jesus, I just need you to take control of my hand and, you know, just circle the right answers and, you know, or I need you to blind the professor's eyes so that they see the right answers or God declaring by faith that I will receive an A plus on this exam, even though I did not study for it at all. Like we've all done that. Let's be real, you know, or if you haven't done that, like you've done the whole, like when you turn into a car park and you're like, Jesus, give me a car park. Come on. One that's right close to the entrance of the shopping mall. I believe in you, Lord God. I believe that you can move mountains. And the Bible says, when I have faith, the small is a mustard seed. Lord God, I believe. Come on. Or maybe when you're like traveling down a road and you see that green light and you're not sure when it's about to turn red, you know what I'm saying? And you're in a rush and you're like, Jesus, you better hold that life for me. Like, you better hold that life for me, Jesus, because I'm in a right. I need to get somewhere. We've all prayed those prayers. Don't judge me. We've all prayed those prayers. And yet none of them are really true, effective, and powerful prayers. None of them are prayers that are based in adoration and a God, you are so worthy and so magnificent. In fact, all those prayers are serving us. All those prayers are serving us and none of them are founded in an adoration and a a relationship that goes, God, you are so good and you are so worthy and you are so great. No matter if you never did anything for me again, you are still good. If you want an effective prayer life, we need to make sure that we're praying with an adoration. Effective prayers start with a foundation of worship and relationship. But see, it's not just enough for us to have those moments of worship and relationship with God and adoration. In fact, it goes from worship and adoration into this moment of confession. This moment of confession. And you see, it goes, forgive us our debts. Some versions say, forgive us our sins. And I think that this is probably the part, I don't think we have any part, like, I don't think we struggle with going, God, you are good and you're awesome because he's God, you know, and, and, he's, and he's awesome. I don't think we have any struggle with that. But I think this is probably the one that I personally struggle the most with. And I believe that probably all of us struggle with to A level is just going, God, forgive me my sins. I'm a messed up person. But we can't stay in adoration. We need to trans, 
we need to move on to this moment of confession where we get before God. And it's not just about God anymore, but it's about our standing with God. And how are we standing with God at that point? So we need to get before God and go, God, would you just forgive me my sins? And anything that pops into your head in that moment, give it to God and then receive forgiveness for it. We heard in the Daniel Dilemma series that when you go to God with confession, He gives you forgiveness and freedom. And when you go to confession with other people, it gives you healing. And so we need to make sure in our prayer life, if we want to be effective, if we want to make sure we are with one with God, we need to be adoring Him and have adoration, but we also need to have confession. Where we get before God and we go, God, I messed up. I need your forgiveness on this so that I can be right standing with you again. So that there won't be any blockage between me and you. So there won't be anything that is causing me to stop and stumble, but rather, Lord God, I know I receive your forgiveness and your freedom when I ask for it. And so I know that I need to make sure I have a moment of confession. We need to have a moment of confession. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to give us our sins and, uh, and to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, saying, when you approach God, say, hey, I messed up, can I have your forgiveness? He does it in that instant. We go from unrighteous to righteous in an instant. And God can work with that. You see, confession invites intimacy back into the relationship that you have with God. Confession invites intimacy back into your relationship with God. If you're maybe wondering why you feel a little bit distant from God or why you don't feel close to God, can I maybe suggest to have a think about if there's something that you're trying to hide from God and, and the really that's causing a divide between you two. But if you were to get before God and have a moment of confession with Him, it's going to invite intimacy back into your relationship with Him. We need to make sure that we have a moment of confession in our prayer life. And it doesn't just start with God. Often it's in those moments that God gives us people that we need to go talk to and have real conversations with as well. And this is another sub point I would say all the time is that especially in this confession one, when you pray, how about listen as well? Because I know that for me, I tend to do a lot more talking than I do listening. <laughs> My wife will tell you that. And... I think that sometimes we can approach that with God where we do a lot of talking and even if we ask the right questions, we don't even wait for a response. You ever done that before? You're like, God, why'd you do this? I mean, I can't, and you don't even wait for a response for Him to tell you. And so in these moments of confession, how about sit and wait and wait on the Lord and see what He says to you as well. See if there's anything in your life that you need to bring up and do business with God so that you can gain freedom and forgiveness in that area and really uh, invite that intimacy back into your relationship with Him. So number one, you have to have a sense of adoration. You have to have a confession moment. But number three, you've got to have a thanksgiving moment. You've got to have a thanksgiving moment. You know, it says that give us today our daily bread, something that we give every single day. Now, how many things in our life do we receive every single day that we don't even thank God for? I mean, parents, do you know what I'm talking about when it comes to like, you give your kids something, you know, and they don't say thank you back and you're like, you're going to lose that. Like, it's, it's not going to be there tomorrow. I know if my mom, when I was growing up, gave me a meal and I didn't say thank you to it, I would not be eating that night. But how many things do we get on a regular basis that we just don't even say thank you for? How many times do we wake up and go, God, thank you so much that I have this, a house to sleep in, 
Thank you so much that I have people to do life with. Thank you so much that I'm born in Australia or live in Australia. Australia is awesome. Let me tell you that much. Thank you so much, Lord God, that I get to come here and, and worship your name freely, Lord God. Thank you so much for everything that you've done in my life. I know that you are good and that you will never leave me. Thank you, Lord God, for the fact that I can be in relationship with you because of what you did on that cross, Jesus. There's always things to be thankful for. And we need to make sure that we have a posture of thanksgiving when we enter into prayer. We heard from Pastor Ash this morning, a very similar point to this, and he talked about how eight, we're, here in Australia, we're in the 8% wealthiest people in the world, which like blows my mind. 8%, we are in that 8% because we have money in the bank, change in our pocket and a house that we sleep in. And yet how often do we stop and thank God for what He's given us with that? How often do we stop and thank God and go, man, God, you are so good for giving us what we need every single day for the things I know and even for the things that I don't know. I know that when growing up, if I knew all that my parents did for me properly when I was growing up, I would have had a lot more thanks to say. See, there were things that I saw and things that I didn't see as well. And as much as you see that you can thank God for, there's so much more going on behind the scenes that you can thank God for as well. You can thank Him for what He's about to do as well not just what He has done, for what He's about to do and what He is doing in you and through you. And so don't just thank God for what you see, but thank God for what you don't see as well. We need to have a posture of thanksgiving. Let's adopt an attitude of gratitude in our prayer life. Not just once off, but a continuous ongoing attitude of gratitude. Continually ongoing attitude of gratitude. And if you find yourself getting a bit stale in your gratitude, why don't you start thanking God for the things closest to you? I find that often if we, if we start thanking God for the things closest to us and the things that hold the most meaning, our gratitude can really quickly multiply into things that really are far beyond what we even would have thought of before when we start with the things that are most closest to us. So number one, you've got to have a posture of adoration when you go into prayer. Number two, you've got to have a posture of confession. You've got to do business with God to gain freedom and, and forgiveness in prayer. Number three, you've got to come with a thanksgiving. You've got to come with a moment of going, God, you are so good. Thank you so much for what you've done. And number four, you've got to come with supplication. Now you may go, Dan, what on earth does that word mean? Because I looked it up in a dictionary. So, ha! <laughs> come on, I've grown a lot. <laughs> Dan using the big words tonight. <laughs> the definition of supplication is asking for something earnestly and humbly. Earnestly and humbly. And we see in the Lord's Prayer, not only adoration, not only confession, not only thanksgiving, but we see supplication when it comes to, God, may your kingdom come. Give us today our daily bread. Deliver us from the evil one or deliver us from temptation. We see it all in those things and see supplication is earnestly praying and humbly praying. And we see that in your kingdom come. See, your kingdom doesn't mean our kingdom, it means God's kingdom. And humbly approaching God means, hey God, your kingdom come and your will be done above my own. 
And so we need to approach God, not with the sense of I need, I need, give me, but God, your will and your kingdom. Whatever you need me to do, I will do. It needs to be a humility attached to our prayer life in order for them to be effective. And so we need to approach God with a humility that goes, God, your kingdom first and foremost. What do, and this is where it comes to, God knows what you need, not what you want. We all have wants and we want things, but God knows what you need for your season. And it may look a little bit differently what you think that you need for your season. We've got to have a supplication. We've got to have a humility about it. Give us today our daily bread. Give us the sustenance that we need for today. Give us the things that we need to be able to outwork what you've asked us to outwork, God. And this could really, really easily be brought to the bread of life, which is the Word of God, which is your Bible. So give us today, God, when I read my Bible, give me today what I need for today. Give me today what I need to be able to have conversations or whatever it is that you need to do in me and through me today, Lord God. Give it to me so that I can be able to do your work in your kingdom. Humbly and earnestly approach. Give us a day our daily bread. But not only that, don't, uh, don't let us give into temptation. So here's the thing is that when you have an effective prayer life, you approach with adoration. There's a confession moment. There's a thanksgiving moment. And then in the supplication, you can ask God for strength, courage, and wisdom that is far beyond what you can naturally get for yourself. And the supernatural Holy Spirit comes in and helps you with those things so that you do not become, so, uh, you do not give into temptation or the things that are trying to distract you in this world, but rather you can power on ahead and be effective in the kingdom of God. Do not lead us into temptation. Give us a strength that we can stand firm. Give us a courage so that we can take new steps. Give us a wisdom so we know where to take those steps and when to take those steps. Holy Spirit, won't you guide us in our day-to-day life? Won't you guide us ongoingly? It says in Luke 11 verse 9, And I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. We want to have an effective prayer life. We gotta, we gotta get in there and start asking earnestly and humbly at the same time. We gotta get there and keep knocking and keep asking God, and but do it with humility as well. Not with the, not with the sense of of arrogance that goes, "Hey God, you, I need this. I deserve this. You need to give this to me because I went to church three times in a week, or you need to give this to me because I went to all the prayer meetings, or you need to give this to me because I." No, no, no. We don't do that. We go, God, this is what I'm praying for at the moment. I'm believing that you are hearing me. But if you choose not to give it to me, I know that you've got something better in store for me. If you choose not to give it to me, I know there is a reason for that. And I am choosing to make a choice to not to question that, but rather stand firm the truth and that as I know is your word. And that you say you will never leave me or forsake me and you will have me forever. Could the band come up and join me? That would be awesome. We've got four points tonight. In order to have an effective prayer life based on the Lord's prayer and what we can pull out of that, you have to have a posture of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Can I have that slide up on screen, please? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Now, this is where it gets really tricky. Hang on. Oh, hold up. Dan's about to perform some jujitsu stuff on you guys, you know, like... First letter of each of those words spells out acts. 
Because here's the thing, God doesn't want you to just talk about prayer. He wants you to actually pray. He doesn't want you just to talk about having a posture of adoration and confession and thanksgiving. But He actually wants you to do it. Prayer is not something we talk about. Prayer is something we live out each and every single day. God has designed you to have an effective and powerful prayer life. He's designed you to be able to be to have access to the Holy Spirit through prayer, to be able to intercede for others, to be able to call out heaven, call down the culture of heaven down in areas and situations and circumstances, to be able to call healing on people and stand in faith and know that God is going to move. But unless we open our mouths and actually start doing it, what's the point? Prayer is about acting on it, not just talking about it. There's a difference between knowing something and doing something. For instance, the Lord's Prayer. We all know the Lord's Prayer. A lot of us off by heart. But how often do we stop and look at it and look at what it actually says? Prayer is not just knowing about something. It's doing something. Can you guys stand with me tonight? I want to encourage you. If we can get better at having an active and powerful and effective prayer life, I think that we begin to walk more in line with what God has for us. Because I don't know any relationship that isn't strengthened by more communication. And if we want to be more like Jesus, and if we want to pray more like Jesus, I mean, who would want that? Hello. He raises people from the dead, left, right, and center. Jeez. I had a bird when I, we had a, when I was little, we had a big window and a mirror on the other side of the window. So a lot of birds would fly into it because they think that there was like, you know, nice pretty stuff, but it was just a window. And so a lot of them would fly into it and unfortunately end up dying. And when I was really little, I found, me and my sister found this bird and like half of it was like decomposed, but we were like, we believe in Jesus is going to bring it back from the dead. So we found like a little like shoe box and we like put it in, in our room. Uh, <laughs> and me and my sister were like praying so hardcore. We were like, Jesus. Raise this bird from the dead. <laughs> and nothing happened to it. <laughs> but I think that Jesus isn't just in the business of raising physical things from the dead, but he's in the business of raising spiritual things from the dead as well. And I think the the action of prayer is something that is actually not as sought out as we should have it in our lives. And once again, I'm not talking about when you're turning into that car park and you need a parking or when you parked in a 15-minute zone and it's been an hour and you're praying that the parking inspector hasn't found it. I'm not talking about those prayers. I'm talking about real, effective, powerful prayers with adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication all worked in there and believing that God's going to move through them. 
And our church believe that if we can start to put this into practice, I think that we would actually be quite blown away by what God communicates to us and what He does in and around us as well. And I think it would probably surprise us quite rapidly. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 